What's up, party people? Welcome to this week's episode of Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Indy Nickerson, which stands for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can find me at that handle on Twitter, or you can find me at Romancing Nancy on Twitter if you are so inclined. We are in season seven. Um, today we're going to be talking about Nancy Drew Files number 13, which is called Wings of Fear. Which sounds like it's going to be her falling in love with somebody who is possibly also a vampire, and none none of that happens. Um, The cover, because I know that you enjoy hearing about her outfits. Her outfit in this one is actually, and I was going to be snarky and be like, she never wears this, but that is a lie. She actually does wear this outfit in, in this book. She is wearing a, she describes it as a magenta cardigan. I would say that it is the kind of aggressive hot pink of 1980s Barbie. Which is a good thing. Um, except for that thing is rocking some big old puffy sleeves. It's got buttons though. We're not into zippers for this. We're not doing Mr. Rogers. Um, she is it's like tunic length as well, so she's just rocking it. She's also wearing she describes them as black and white plaid pants, but I would describe them as black and white crosshatch with a big old black belt and a gray turtleneck. She's also got some feathered bangs happening, and she is staring intently over her shoulder with her arms crossed over her chest as though she is either cold or afraid, or possibly both. And as always in these, she's in the foreground. There's also a middle ground image of this guy wearing a suit looking like a total dork. And in the background is a plane on fire so that you can be like, when we say wings, we do not mean vampires. This book is a hot fucking mess. Like, I was reading it and going, oh my god. So we finally hit one that I'm like, oh, this is bad. There's a few things in this book, though, that I really want to focus on because I feel that they are an example of the ghostwriter doing exactly the right thing at exactly the right time. But I do want to talk about the fact that this is a hot fucking mess. Occasionally, when the story is just, like, abysmal, I'll be like, I need to rewrite this. I can do it better. But for this one, because this is Nancy versus Hobby Lobby. um, (laughs) It kind of is, though. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. There's much redeeming it. Okay. The book opens with Nancy in bed, which, perfect. You're like, Ned's nearby. No, sadly, he is not. I know. That's that's really where this book went wrong. If only Nancy had been in bed with Ned at the time, none of this would have happened. Um, Nancy gets a phone call. It's after midnight. And, of course, Nancy has her own phone extension. It's 1987, but her father's rich. As he is the inventor of Toaster Strudel, the phone company allows him to have additional lines, and Nancy has one in her bedroom. So her phone rings, and Nancy picks it up and is like, and she hears a voice on the other end of the line saying, Nancy, I need your help. And she's like... First off, good use of bat signal. Second, Jennifer. The book goes on to inform you, dear reader, even though this is book 13 and you know that Nancy's best friends are Bess and George, that she has been a longtime friend of Jennifer. Jennifer Bishop. I wanted to call, I wanted to give her the last name of somebody else in this book. Jennifer Bishop, who is now a flight attendant. And you're like, I've got questions. Was Jennifer an upperclassman? What, how is she a longtime friend that we've only just heard about? Nancy flies a lot. Does Jennifer have hookups? Questions. Anyway, so Jennifer calls Nancy and is like, Nancy, I need your help. And Nancy's like, I, I'm not even legally alive right now. What is happening? And Jennifer's like, I'm in Seattle and my friend Rod has been murdered. And Nancy's like, 
Nancy does not have the initial first impulse that I would have, especially if one were to call me at one o'clock in the morning with the news that your friend Rod has been murdered, because I would be like, was it a porn-related accident? I'm just saying, was there some sort of acrobatic technique that he did not quite pull off? Anyway, so Nancy's like, I'll be on the next flight. And of course, the next day, she, when her father wakes up and comes down to breakfast, Nancy has already packed her bags and is looking into flights to Seattle because of course she is, of course. So her father, this is his only appearance in this book. It's a, it's a hard life making toaster strudel. Um, is like, I will give you the advice I always give you, which is to be careful. Goodbye forever. And that's it. Like she, that is his cameo appearance in this book. Is he John Hamm? Maybe Yes. Anyway, so Nancy calls Bess, who is like, hell yeah, we get to go on planes? Yes. Also, the West Coast, you know, my home away from home? Yes. George has things. There really needs to be an alternate version of this book where George is actually doing something super awesome and cool while Nancy and Bess are just getting their asses handed to him. Um, Yeah. No, George just has things happening. It's fine. Okay. So they go to Seattle. Um, here's the thing. So let's back up slightly. Jennifer is working for Victory Airlines, which has some definite 1940s vibes for me. Like we're, we're looking back at World War II and being like good times. So it's like, I wanted to say like a, a startup, which it kind of is and kind of isn't. It's like a recent company, but they have started flying too. And I'm going to put this in air quotes because this is how the book refers to it as the Orient, um, which as soon as you hear those words, you should harken back to Files 2, where Nancy's in New York and finding out all about Napster and how it is evil and just trying to take down Metallica. So, and of course, you know, DRMs and intellectual property rights and copyright infringement. So as soon as Nancy hears about that, I'm like, oh, oh, okay, okay. So Nancy gets to Seattle which is where Jennifer lives, in an apartment with a roommate who is also a flight attendant, and Jennifer has a boyfriend named Sean, I suppose. Um, my brain never pronounces that word right. It's fine. Um, so she has a boyfriend named Sean who is working in the management work study program through the local college. There's a lot of weird stuff happening. Because here's the thing, like, it's a management program that people are working through, but they do all the jobs. They do, um, what, sky hopping, and they do baggage handling, and they, like, they work their way up from the bottom of the company so that they can be a management, is what they're supposedly doing. I was like, so you're just hiring a bunch of rich, like, stupid college kids, because, again, if you're going to take on a work study, like, mm, work study you're generally not compensated for, it's fine. Other, you know, not in a, any sort of tangible way. So you've got a bunch of dumbasses who are just working for you and just not questioning shit, which is exactly what is happening here. So Nancy shows up, um, and then she finds out the deets from Jennifer. Okay. So as you know, Rod, who amateur porn enthusiast, I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> um, Rod was killed in a car crash and Nancy was like, Oh, okay. So was it, was Michael Myers in the back seat? Like, what do you know about it? And Jennifer's like, so he had recently told me he was flashing some cash and he had told me that he was involved in something and I'm pretty sure it was smuggling. And I think that he wanted to get out of it. And I think that the people who were involved in the smuggling killed him because he wanted to get out of it. And Nancy's like, 
there, there's a lot of supposition happening there. Do you have any, anything to back that up? Just, just saying. And Jennifer's like, well, he was flashing a lot of cash and this dude did not have a lot of cash before that. Remember he was in a work study program. So, and Nancy's like, cool. And then Jennifer's like, although he wasn't a college student. And I'm like, again, amateur porn enthusiast. There was an accident. Something happened. His name is Rod. Like, do I need to draw you a picture here? No, it would be a terrible picture. So, um, Nancy's talking to Jennifer and she's like, okay, so we, we need to go to your place of business and see if we can find any clues that may lead us to some sort of information about a, a smuggling ring. Because of course, Jennifer wants whoever killed her friend to be brought to justice. Final justice. (laughs) Oh God. Anyway. Okay. So they decide that Nancy's going to Nancy is not actually even going undercover. Like, let's just, let's just throw that forcefully to the side here. Because you could say, oh, she'll just pretend that she's in the work-study program. She is a recent college student, and it's going to be fine. No, fuck you. No, she is going to carry around a pass from the president of the company so that she can poke her nose into everything. Which is exactly what happens. But anyway, they go into work the next day, um... And Jennifer is, like, deeply involved in all this. Like, she has been telling people that Nancy's going to come investigate and that Nancy's a detective. And Bess is like, she's not good at this. And Nancy's like, yeah, she's not. It's fine. So um, they go to the president's office. His last name is Talbot. I don't care what his first name is. And also, the fun thing about the files is the first page of the files is like, there's so many characters. Let me help you keep them straight. And I'm like, you know what? I flatly refuse to look at that page. So Talbot is his last name. I don't give a fuck what his first name is. He is the person in charge. Here's the thing. Um, I think they're at SeaTac. I think they're at um, Tacoma. I think that's the airport where they are based. Um, they have offices at the airport. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, they have rented space at the airport. I mean, it's perfect. That's where they have their management structure. And I was like, I feel that this is not the way that normal airlines work. Like, I feel like they have corporate headquarters that are maybe not next to planes, but I'm I'm clearly wrong. I mean, it's fine. So they go up. There are seven floors. This will be important later. Um, so they go up in the elevator to the sixth floor to see Mr. Talbot. And like, as they're walking up to his office, they hear this massive crash. And when they walk in there, like a rock has been thrown through his window and he just seems super casual about it. He's just looking around and going, huh, that was weird. And Nancy's like, somebody just threw a rock through your window and you're like, like it's, are you taking some sort of mood stabilizers? What is happening? He's like, yes, somebody just ran up here and and just threw a rock. That was, that was pretty fucked up. Nancy finds the rock and it's got a note that was put around the rock. And it's like, Nancy Drew, if you value your life, you will leave Seattle. And she's like, nice. If you, like me, were like, everything about this is wrong, you're correct. Because again, Nancy wasn't even in the room when the rock was thrown. Um, It was thrown into the office of Mr. Talbot, the president of the funking company. And it's like, it's... Nancy's like, is this a threat or is this useful advice that somebody just taped around a rock and just threw through a window at me? Oh, honey. Oh, sweet, sweet Lord. Anyway, um, so Jennifer's like, oh my God, 
you, this this means all of my suppositions are true. And Nancy's like, it, it means that exactly none of them are true. Uh, did anybody see who threw the rock? And they're like, no, they were wearing this rain slicker. Like all the baggage handlers have these big old trash bag rain slicker thingies. So because again, in Seattle, it's always raining. They're always wearing those damn things. They're always sweaty. Um, so nobody saw who it was. They were just wearing that, that trash bag thing that everybody has. So they were like, oh, okay. Um, so let's, let's talk about things. So they tell Mr. Talbot there's sus- Jennifer's suspicions because Nancy's like, I don't know what's happening here. Um, so Mr. Talbot's like, okay, I'm going to give you a pass, Nancy. You get to poke your nose into everything. And Bess will serve as a flight attendant. Funny thing that I did not bother looking up before I did this episode. Talbot tells Bess that they have a crash course in FAA training. And so after two days, she will be a flight attendant. I looked at that and said, I don't want to believe that's true. But a big part of me thinks that you probably could knock it out in two days and get certified. So Bess actually legit goes through training, y'all. So in future books, this will mean absolutely nothing. I don't think that any other ghostwriter actually remembers the fact that Bess technically possibly could actually legit be a flight attendant. Um, but yeah, Bess goes through the train. She's like, oh, I get to go on flights and, and that's, that's nice and glamorous. Um, Victory Airlines is not only international, it's also domestic. So they've got some flights that go to like Chicago, New York, Los Angeles. So they've got some other stuff going on, but they've also, I think most of their stuff is going to like Korea, Singapore, which again, that's, Anyway, it's fine. Um, yeah, just just doing lots of Asian stuff is what they've decided they're doing. So, um, yeah, Bess is going to go become a flight attendant. And Nancy decides that she's going to go poke her nose and everything. She takes her, I wanted to say press badge. <laughs> not yet. Oh, that'll happen, but not yet. So she takes her little badge downstairs and she wants to see the baggage handling area because she's like, okay, if if smuggling is happening then it makes sense that it would be involved in the baggage handling area. So she goes down there. She meets Paul, who is apparently devastatingly handsome and makes Nancy think of Ned, who she's like, I miss him so much. So much. But of course he is at Emerson College. I love how occasionally it's university. In these books, it's college. Um, He's away at Emerson and he cannot be with her, but she loves him deeply, madly, truly. Everything the Savage Garden ever promised us. All of those things. And, and he is not there with her, but, but she's there with sweaty baggage handlers who are just sweating all of it out and some trash bags. Um, yeah. Sean is also working in the baggage handling area. Sean being Jennifer's boyfriend. You, if you have not remembered, it's fine. Sean Bean, just, just picture him as Sean Bean. That's what I'm doing. He doesn't look like him. It doesn't fucking matter. So, Nancy goes down there and asks some questions, and she runs into, I think his name is Grant Sweeney, and that's what his name is going to be here from here on out. He is in charge of the baggage handling, and Nancy goes down there, and she's like, so smuggling. <laughs> she needs to take a long draw off a cigarette and just casually mention it. Anyway, she mentions it to Grant, whose face turns purple, and he's like, what are you talking about? And Nancy's like... I was just, you know, I'd heard some things about possibly some artifacts that possibly some Hobby Lobby-esque companies might be smuggling into the United States. No, no big. And he's like, I, you need to get out of here. And Nancy's like, 
Mr. Talbot said I could be down here. And he's like, I do not give a fuck. You need to get out of here. And so he storms off to his office and slams the door. His tiny, tiny boiler room office. Nancy's like, okay. So she is talking to Miranda, who is Jennifer's roommate. And she's like, yeah, so based on everything... And they talk about like what they know about the rod, which is not much again, because he's keeping all that amateur porn enthusiasm down the down low. But one of them, I think is Sean says that like his place was not great. So the fact that he was flashing money around seems like it was a recent development. And then Miranda like kind of flips out for a minute. At this point, they're at the apartment. Miranda goes back to her room and she returns with a big ass vase and is like, here, you take it. I don't, I'm I'm not involved in smuggling. I don't know anything about smuggling. You take it. And Nancy's like, I love this part because Nancy's like, I have taken an art history class and I do appreciate fine art, but I cannot determine whether this is a forgery or an actual genuine artifact. And I'm like, Thank God that finally there is one thing that she's like, maybe I'm not the greatest at this. But anyway, so she looks it over and she's like, it it seems legit to me. Like I would have to get somebody to authenticate it. I, I don't know though. Like, because Miranda says that Rod gave it to her. Again, from his dirty, dirty porn receipts. Um, maybe somebody gave it to him as an exchange. Maybe his wife did not want to fuck on that chance. But anyway, it's fine. Um, yes. So Nancy looks over the vase and she's like, mm, I think that you should keep this because I don't want to be responsible for it. So just put it back wherever you had it. And Miranda's like, okay, which completely belies the fact that this was a chapter ending cliffhanger when Nancy is suddenly having a Chinese vase thrust upon her. She's like, this looks like a Ming vase. Asterisk. When I read this scene, I was like, okay, Ghost Rider, I get it. Somebody said smuggling and you were like, what would somebody smuggle out of a country? antique Ming vases. That's exactly what would happen. How are we going to get them there? They're going to be a chapter ending cliffhanger. Don't ask additional fucking questions, you dipshit. I like it. I like the boldness. It's dumb, though. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) So, um, also, I'm suddenly remembering another book I'm reading where somebody was questioning prostitutes. There are no prostitutes in this book, other than Rod, who... This is always off the page. Okay. So, Nancy knows that there's a vase, and she knows that it may have been smuggled in from China, and that's all that she's got at this point. That's all. She doesn't know anything else. When she talks to Jennifer and Miranda and Sean to see if they remember anything else, um, one thing that does come up, one of them says that they remember Rod saying, like, in this kind of winky way, 747. And so, Nancy's like, isn't that like a, a model of airplane that your your airline might have? And they're like, actually, yeah, we've got some 747s, we've got some DC-10s, we got some blah, blah, like they just, they just go off at this point. And Nancy's like, oh, okay, so is it possible that they would be using that type of plane for the smuggling? Like that would be the reason that he used that term. And they're like, IDK, like I sincerely don't know. So Nancy, who like, Honestly, if when we're going to make a video game out of a story, and they have, um, this might be the one that you would go for because Nancy just keeps circling the same locations, hoping for the for clues to pop up because she doesn't know what the fuck is that going on or or how to handle it. Um, let's see who else is. 
Oh, she finds out that there's one other guy who is in charge of operations, and his last name is Maxell, which is like Maxwell, but without the W. It's really weird. Anyway, so she finds out about this guy, and she talks to, she actually goes to lunch with Talbot and Maxell at the really expensive place. I don't remember if they give you the name of it. They probably do. There's another place called the Mile High Club, and I was like, really, Ghost Rider? Really? Really, you would do this to me and not include Ned in this book. You would do that to me. Why you gotta fuck with me like this? Anyway, um, so it's not the Mohawk Club because that was in LA, I think. Anyway, so they're having lunch together and Nancy's telling them about the, you know, all the suppositions and all the clues that she's found and everything. And she actually, there's a point at, there's a point early in the story when she looks down at her bulky ass magenta cardigan and her black and white plaid pants and is like, I hope that we don't have to do anything fancy because this is pretty much all I brought with me. Like, she didn't bring a lot of clothes. This is always held up in counterpoint to Bess, who packs her entire fucking wardrobe for a time, anytime she goes off with Nancy because she's like, I never know what I'm going to need. Which she's right. I mean, it honestly feels like Nancy ropes off her wardrobe. Uh, on the regular, like, let's be real about that, so, anyway, Nancy is actually worried during this scene whether she's gonna have enough to pay for lunch, so she orders soup and a, and a sandwich, and I'm like, your father is the inventor of toaster strudel, you have a gold card, you're not undercover, you're gonna be okay, but anyway, so, she's talking to them about it, and Maxwell's like, that there's no way there's no way there could be smuggling involved that's just ridiculous like you need to come up with some good proof like he's just very blustery and Talbot's like I mean maybe IDK he's uh, anyway again this is the dude who I'm like possibly some light quaaludes because he does not seem to give a fuck about the fact that somebody just threw a rock through his office window I don't think they ever mention it again I don't think they're ever like there's a trash bag flapping in the breeze over this hole because he just cannot be bothered, or we slap some duct tape over it. I do not know. Anyway, so Nancy talks to them. She and and also um, Maxell like s- snatches the bill out of the server's hand and is like, "I've got this." And Nancy's like, "Woo!" And I'm like, "Again, super, is it Olive Garden? Why are you? It's okay, honey. It's okay. It's okay." So. Um, then Jennifer, okay, Jennifer keeps trying to, like, insinuate herself in the case, like, she keeps being like, oh, let me, let me go with you when you talk to Mr. Talbot, let me, what did you find out today, like, all this stuff, even though she's also being a flight attendant, so, like, during the day she's on flights, and then she comes back, and she's like, yeah, what else is going on, and there's one point in the book where she's like, I'm gonna go talk to Mr. Talbot, because I found evidence, and proof and we've got the face and Nancy's like the face is not actually proof of anything yet it's not been authenticated and we don't actually have it with us so anyway it's just a hot fucking mess it's just a lot of hot fucking mess so anyway let me think I don't know what happens next it's like Nancy makes a circuit of all of these things she goes back to them to see if there's any new clues that pop up and nothing does and then blah blah she then talks to Celia who is a gate attendant, like, she's the person working on the computer at the gate, and Nancy's like, oh, um, Mr. Talbot gave me this pass, and he just wanted me to have all the information about all of the planes that the airline runs, and, like, everything, and Celia's like, girl, I got you, and prints her out on some fucking dot matrix paper, um, everything, so information about the 
the flights that they run, information about the actual planes that they have in service, all sorts of fun stuff. And while they're talking, I think Maxell comes over and is like chewing Celia out and Celia's getting upset. Nancy's like, that wasn't your fault and it's okay. Like Nancy's always very supportive, whatever she can be, unless you're being a dick. So yeah, I think it's Maxell at that point. Um, also Paul, who you'll remember is a baggage handler. So he is a sweaty trash bag full of sweat. Um, it's like, girl, you got a lot going on. And Nancy's like, boyfriend. And he's like, he's not here though. Like we should have dinner. So anytime that Nancy goes down to talk to them, he's like trying to hit on her. And Nancy's like, I'm having none of this, but I will exploit you shamelessly for more information about this case. So there's that. So, um, Nancy goes home with her stack of dot matrix printouts and spreads them out and looks through them and is like, you know what? Seven like there's a bunch of 747s in service. And so she goes through and tries to find every instance of 747. And then she's like, this is just too much data. Like that sequence is not enough for me to really figure this out. Like I need to find something else that's going to help me narrow this down a little bit further, which feels like a good place for us to take a break. Okay, so Nancy is convinced that she needs to get onto a plane. Like, that's the only way that she's going to be able to figure this shit out, is to get onto an actual plane and see the, the goods being smuggled while they're still on the plane. So the next time a flight comes in that she's like, it's a 747, she runs out onto the tarmac and, like, legit sneaks onto the plane. Um, She does let someone know that she's doing this so they're not completely taken off guard. I think it's Sean because Sean ends up in this case a lot. Um, so she's poking around and then a baggage handler like actually closes her into the cargo hold, which she's like, this is real, real bad because the cargo hold is not pressurized and it's also not temperature controlled. So, um, so she bangs on the door and tries to get somebody to let her out, but she can't reach the handle. But um, eventually, I think Sean gets somebody in there to, to get her out of the plane. Um, that that particular plane, I think, had been having some sort of mechanical problems, and so it was still having them, and that's why they stopped the plane. Otherwise, it would have taken off with her inside, as though she were trying to escape some war-torn country. Um, yeah. So... Also, she doesn't discover anything. Like, she's in the cargo hold and looking around, and she's like, I don't know what I'm looking for. Like, it could be right under my nose, and I wouldn't fucking know what I was looking at. Which, yeah, kind of the problem here. Like, there's nothing that she intercepts. It's like, oh, we're going to be shipping something in on the next flight that's coming from Singapore, and you'll be able to recognize it because it has a purple triangle on it. Like, there's nothing like that. She never gets that deep into the smuggling ring so that she would be able to actually intercept anything useful from them. Yeah, it's okay. it's fine. It's fine. So the other thing, um, Nancy is talking to Bess, who of course is going through her flight school training. Flight school training? No, she's going through stewardess training. Not stewardess. Flight attendant. Anyway, so Bess is going through flight attendant training and she's like, everybody keeps talking about Linda, who apparently is a total bitch. And they're like, oh, you mean Cotilla the Hun or Cotilla? It's oh, my brain keeps switching back and forth between pronunciations on that. So they say that she's like a complete bitch to everybody. She gives orders, forgets what she said, gives like different orders, gets mad when somebody says that they can't do it or when they do what she said before, but she's forgotten what she said by then. And I'm like, relatable. Um, but yeah, like apparently 
Bess is going to be on a flight with her and Bess is like, this is going to be the worst experience of my life. And Nancy's like, maybe not. And everybody else is like, no, it's going to suck. This is just going to suck straight out for you, girl. So Bess is not feeling chill about that. She's like, I, I wish that I had not done this. It's kind of weird because Jennifer's like, oh man, I wish I could be a detective. And Nancy's like, I've, I've thought about being a flight attendant. Like it actually seems like it's a pretty chill job. By the end of the book, of course, each one of them is like, I chose well. Your job is terrible. <laughs> anyway. So, um, because Linda seems to be acting funny, Nancy decides that she needs to maybe keep an eye on her. So, Nancy is following her and baggage claim dickhead around. And she notes that they are kind of sneaking off to have secretive conversations with each other. And she gets close enough to overhear them and Linda's like, there was there was a guy on the flight earlier and, and blah, blah. And he's like, you know what'll happen if the man upstairs hears that you want to back out on this. He doesn't take kindly to that. And Nancy's like, the man upstairs. And I'm like, Johnny Cash, it's fine. No. Um, Yeah. Nancy actually decides that she needs to go on a flight because Linda's going to be on the flight. Nancy has a feeling that Linda may be involved in this. So, but she also knows that Linda knows exactly what she looks like and Linda does not like her. So Nancy gets Bess to come up with a disguise for her. Bess, of course, loots her own wardrobe, comes up with like some oversized stuff for Nancy to wear, which when they describe her outfit and it's nowhere near like the epic majesty of George's punk outfit in the previous book, she also comes back with a can of glitter hair dye in a can. And Nancy's like, what the living fuck? And George is like, I'm sorry, Bess is like, first off, it will wash out. Second, nobody is going to be looking at you under all that glitter hair. And I'm like, so she's going to look like she's on her way back from a rave. Like you need to smear some mascara on her and, you know, really sell it. Like this is a walk of shame that she's just taken to the nth degree. Anyway, Nancy decides that for her flight, she will take on the alias Ms. N. Nickerson. And I was like, my, my heart grew three sizes that day. Um, she's excited about it. She's like, Ned is going to just love it when I tell him about this. And I'm like, girl, at this point, were you in a Regency novel? That is like you saying that y'all are soft engaged. I'm just saying. Anyway, so she travels under that name. Um, She's sitting in her seat, and Linda comes up to her, and she's like, what are you doing here? And Nancy had been trying to kind of, like, stare intently at her magazine and pretend that she had not noticed Linda. And when she glances up, Linda is staring at somebody behind Nancy. And when she turns around, Nancy doesn't see anybody who she recognizes, so she's like, that's weird. I'm sure it's fine. They get to Los Angeles. Um, Bess, of course, immediately develops a crush on... I think that he's a trainee. I think he's in flight school. I think his name is Mike. None of this matters. Anyway, so he's on the plane. And so Bess is like, oh my God, Nancy, you have to meet him. He is just so dreamy. And so they have some sort of meal at the Mahai Club, which again, why y'all got to hit me over the head with this, y'all? That's fine. Um, So Mike... I guess. I don't, I don't fucking know. His name is Mike from now on. Um, Mike is telling Nancy about having a, a landing when your landing gear is not working and you can't use the brakes effectively. And he basically says that the pilot has to find the longest landing strip they can and do the best they can to slow the plane down and hope for the best. So you want to hope that there's not like water at the end of that runway. 
And for those of you who are like, I've read this kind of book before, this is a Chekhov's gun. You are 100% correct on that. So, so Nancy hears all about him and Bess is like, he is so dreamy. And Nancy's like, sure, honey, it's fine. So she goes back to Seattle. I don't think anything weird happens on the flight back. Like, it's kind of weird. Like, we just needed to be at a different venue and also have lunch at a different place. But when she goes back, she's like, Linda was acting suspiciously. I'm going to follow her and see if I can find out anything else. When she hears the the conversation with um, baggage handling asshole, she's like, okay, they're both involved. Nancy goes and like looks in the the baggage handling area, but of course there's not a lot there. And Nancy also knows that if they're smuggling anything and it's not going through customs. So she has to figure out how they're getting it past that. But she doesn't really do a clear job of explaining exactly how anything really goes through customs. So, um, she goes to another flight, like she hears that something important is going to be on that flight. And when she goes to check, um, apparently dickhead in the and the baggage claim area was like, oh, let me, let me go unload this one. And Nancy's like, that means there's some shit on this plane. And so somebody else is like, one of the trainees is like, oh, I'll come with you. And so Nancy's like, okay, if this is true, he's probably not going to unload any of the contraband or smuggled or whatever merchandise while he's being watched by the trainee. So let me sneak on the plane and see what I can find. So she finds a box that says it's from Singapore, but I think it also has the number 747 on it. And she's like, yes, yes. So she manages to pry the box open and she finds some jade figurines. And she also finds a vase that looks very similar to the one that Miranda had had. Because, as you can guess, um, Nancy asked to see the vase again because she wanted to like compare it to something or maybe show it to somebody and Miranda went to her room and she's like it's gone so somebody has pilfered the vase which makes Nancy say oh well it had to be genuine because otherwise wouldn't somebody have stolen it so she sees a vase that's very similar to that one and she's like okay I have to take this with me so she picks up the entire fucking crate and I'm like how big was this vase because she's just walking off with it she's just shoplifting that shit she goes into the baggage handling area and she actually manages to just like take it up in the elevator like she doesn't go through customs nobody stops her nobody asks her what she's doing or anything like that she just manages to sneak it out and she's like oh so that was actually super easy so as long as it's something that somebody could probably carry in their hands or put into like a backpack or a a suitcase like it doesn't appear that there would be any problem with anybody getting anything through customs so so she's finally got evidence and so she runs into a Sean. I was like, Ryan, what's this fucking name? <laughs> so the thing is that um, Jennifer had a fight with Sean because Sean was like, oh, you, you two need to back off on this case. Like, this is too dangerous. I don't want you getting hurt. I'm sure there's no smuggling happening. You know, I don't want to ruin my chances of getting a job with this company because I'm already going through this training program and blah, blah, and, and just everything. So, but Sean is still helping Nancy with her investigation because Nancy just basically keeps roping him into it. So, um, there's one point at which like Nancy and Sean come back together and Nancy's like, Oh, well it's okay. Jennifer, he, you know, we were just investigating the case together and Jennifer's like, I'm sure you were. And Nancy's like, you're the one who called me here to investigate this. 
I do not have designs for your boyfriend. My boyfriend is super hot and I love him. So just chill for a sec. So anyway, so they eventually, of course, Jennifer gets back together with Sean because of course, Nancy's not going get, to get, get together with Sean. Hello. Have you met, have you met her boyfriend who is not the inventor of toaster strudel, but is hot as breakfast. So who she thinks about several times during this case. So, um, let's see. Nancy grabs Sean, says, I found evidence of the smuggling. Let's go up to Mr. Talbot's office. They go up there because, of course, Nancy's like, he's the person that she's been reporting back to. He knows that she's been investigating the smuggling, everything. They go up to Mr. Talbot's office, and then Nancy's like, oh, shit. Like, they said man upstairs. Like, that would be Mr. Talbot. So, they knock on the door. He's not there. And so... Sean goes to grab somebody else, and he grabs Mr. Maxell, who Nancy's like, okay, so we think that Mr. Talbot may be involved in the smuggling ring, and we found this box, and it's full of smuggled stuff, and we need you to hold on to it, and we're going to call the cops, and, and it's going to be fine, and Nancy's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go, because she also hears that apparently Bess and Jennifer are, and Linda are on a flight that's about to leave, and she's got a really bad feeling about it. She's like, they know that Bess is involved on the case, and, and they're going to try to get her, and it's going to be really, really bad. So she leaves him there. She goes and runs and gets on the plane, because she's like, Linda's behind all this. Linda's deeply involved in the smuggling ring, and, and that's why she's being a bitch to everybody, and blah, blah. So she runs and gets on the plane, like, and they're literally closing the gate when she runs up there. And Nancy's like, Mr. Talbot would not be pleased. The inventor Toaster Strudel would not be pleased if he were to keep me off that plane. And so they let her on there through gritted teeth. And so she gets on the plane and she's like, so Linda. And Linda's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And Nancy's like, why don't you tell me about the smuggling ring? And Linda's like, well, this is all just really bad. So she breaks down and tells Nancy that, yes, she's been involved in the smuggling ring, that, yes, the Grant Sweeney, the asshole who's in the baggage claim, has been involved in it, which Nancy already knew because she overheard their conversation. Um, Rod was involved with it. Rod tried to get out of it. And Linda, actually, on that flight, when she was like, what the hell are you doing here, was talking to a guy that she recognized as being kind of like the cleanup part of this operation who always wanted to, um, was there to like get people back in line. So he's the one who sabotaged Rod's brakes and ran him off the road. And so when Linda saw him, she was like, oh, his very presence is a threat because I know that he, he did away with Rod and I'm trying to get out of this and he will just deal with me suitably. So Linda tells Nancy that if they're all on the plane, they're already trying to get rid of Linda. So they're going to do something to try to get rid of all of them. Like it's a trap. Nancy was specifically told that Bess and Jennifer were on that flight and Linda and was given the impression that something was going to happen so that she would get on the plane and they could knock all of them out at the same time. So, um, I, that's when the bomb goes off on the fucking plane. Um, the Nancy sees like, they hear this massive explosion. Um, they start losing pressure in the cabin. The oxygen mass dropped down and everything. Nancy was actually standing up at the time because she was talking to Linda. And so she has to like wrestle herself back into a seat and bubble herself in. Um, and Mike is the one who is talking over the intercom, telling everybody to be calm and everything. So they circle back to go back to the Seattle airport because, you know, the, everything is damaged. 
Nancy figures out from what she's hearing and what she's experiencing that they have lost their landing gear. Like, they've also lost the brakes. And so they do manage to get down onto the runway without anything else happening. Um, but they can smell smoke. They they can see that everything is just real, real bad. So Bess pulls the cord to, to get the, the giant inflatable water slide to come down so that everybody can leave the plane. So they slide down out of the plane. Um, and Nancy's like, just, just be cool, y'all, just be cool, but I think the plane's about to explode, and so as they get away from it, in slow motion, the plane explodes behind them, so Nancy's like, that was really fucked up, somebody just blew up that fucking plane trying to kill us, so that's cool, so when she's talking to Linda, she's like, okay, so who planted that bomb, and Linda's like, of course Maxell planted that bomb, and Nancy's like, the person that we gave the evidence to, to that makes sense so as soon as they get back um sean nacy sees sean she's like go get max l he's the he was behind it all he's the one who did all this and and blah blah honestly here's the thing about the the resolution of this case it all happens off screen like nancy's in the plane the plane like fucking explodes basically when she gets back like the cops have taken everybody into custody um she does put in a good word for linda who like was regretful of her part in all of this. Um, Nancy finds out from her that they were indeed smuggling in artifacts from Asian countries, that that was the entire point of it, that Maxell came up with it because he was like, why the fuck not? Like, we've got everything that we would possibly need to do this. And so he was the one who basically got stuff around customs. Like, he would just find different ways to get things out. And because the trainees weren't checked that that much like they were the ones who were helping smuggle stuff out and that's how they were getting a cut like clearly not a huge cut but still a cut um linda knew too much so she knew that if she tried to get out they were going to go after her rod clearly knew too much slash was just an amateur porn enthusiast and so he had to be gotten rid of so yeah and of course jennifer was on the flight that almost exploded and she's like yeah, I'm I'm just not going to stick to detective work anymore. That's just real, real bad. Um, as a side note, Nancy kept running into Dickhead, who worked in the baggage area. And one time she saw him and she was in a situation like she had been trying to listen to Linda and Dickhead from the neighboring booth. Linda left, but Dickhead was still at the doorway, like, looking around, and Nancy was like, how do I get out of here without him seeing me and knowing that I was eavesdropping? And so Paul comes up to Nancy, and he's like, hey, I didn't know that you would be in here. And so Nancy grabs him and kisses him as a distraction, as, you know, so that um, Dickhead will not look over at them any further. It was, you know, it was just a diversion. But, of course, Paul, from that point on, is like, she likes me. And so he's like, Nancy, let's go on a date later. And Nancy's like, we are not going on a date later. I needed to cover for the fact that the guy I was pursuing was looking around for me. That is all that was. And he's like, you're a really good kisser though. And Nancy's like, while that is true, fuck off. So anyway, he eventually pesters her so much that she's like, look, we're going to go out later and celebrate. You can come along with us. I guess I've got a boyfriend, so don't touch me. as one does. So, um, although at the end of the book, like Nancy and Bess are getting ready to go to bed, like there was no going out. I'm like, maybe she was just flat out lying to that guy, which I'm here for. I'm totally here for that. Um, but everybody is kind of paired off at this point where, um, Max wants to, Max, 
see, I don't even fucking know what his name is. Mike is like clearly smitten with Bess and Jennifer has gotten back together with Sean and everything is right in the world. And Nancy's like, and it is time for me to go home to, to the arms of the man that I love. And scene. Yeah. Like, it was just a fucking hot mess. Like, eventually Nancy's like, oh, 747 must be referring to, like, literally anything. Like, a time of arrival, a time of departure, a part of the flight number, part of the the equipment that they're using. Like, maybe it's the plane model. And then she finds out that Maxell's um, office number is 747. And she's like, oh, shit. But, because again, that whole like man upstairs thing, she was like, well, that has to be Talbot because he's on the sixth floor. And she's like, no one remembered that there was a mysterious seventh floor. And I'm like, oh, you sweet summer child. Um, Talbot wasn't involved at all. Like he, it was just all happening under his nose slash he was just taking a bunch of quaaludes at any interval. And so nothing was facing him. Nancy also found out that Linda was the one who threw that rock through the window before Nancy had even arrived to warn her off. I'm like, maybe all of you were taking speed. I don't know what the fuck was going on. They also found out that Maxell had rigged up the intercom system so that he was able to hear whatever was happening in Talbot's office at any given time, just to make sure that Talbot was not aware of what was going on. And so that's how Maxell found out that Nancy was investigating. And that's how Linda found out because Maxell told Linda that Nancy was investigating. And so she tried to warn her off. And so Nancy told the detective investigating the case that, Hey, you know, like maybe give her a nicer bunk when she goes to jail, IDK. So, so there's that. Sweet Lord. I don't know, man. I just don't know. It was just a bunch of her just chasing her tail around, honestly. And, and just like in the original mystery stories, surviving a fucking plane crash. Just casually, just walking away from it, just sliding down that big slide and being like, I embrace life. I'm here for you. So, that's where we're at. Next time, Nancy and Ned have decided to go on a romantic getaway with, of course, some of Nancy's friends because that's how she rolls. Like, she got an entourage and you need to respect it. And they're heading up to Montreal for shenanigans. I think this is actually one, and watch me be wrong, where I think that they end up like renting an apartment and all of them splitting it. And I was like, hello, opportunities for some midnight snacking slash getting a third on the couch. But anyway, so we will pick up there next time. And as always, stay safe and warm and sleuthy, my friends.